You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. I'm Matt Gunn, and I got a couple special guests with me today from Seco Logistics, Brian Merck. Hi, Brian. Hi, how you doing? Thanks yeah, for having us. Glad we could get you on the show. And, and David Schulhoff from Red Hot Penny. Now, allow me some introductions. I think that let's start there. David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, yeah, so I'm CEO of Red Hot Penny. We're a digital marketing agency based out of the UK. We're all about helping retailers and brands grow online. How can they use their data more effectively to acquire more customers? So naturally, we work very well with, with Seeker Logistics. Um, obviously, we're there to bring the customers in, and Seeker are there to make sure customers get the product. Setting them up and knocking them down. Seeker Logistics, don't call them a technology company, but there is a big data-driven backbone of what you do as well. Absolutely. Data is the new oil, especially good data. You know, so we're a 3PL, we're freight forwarder, we're a global logistics provider, focusing on creating technology-enabled demand chain solutions. And we'll talk about the difference that we see with a more of a focus on demand rather than supply and how that shift is, is really impacting every organization, but retail in particular. And one of the reasons why both of us are here at ShopDoc. All right, and I have to do some perspective on that. Shop Talk, every year this time of year, it's a really busy event season. If you're in the industry, whether you're a vendor, whether you're doing the media thing, whether you're a manufacturer, a retailer, or a brand, whatever you are, wherever your piece of the puzzle is in all of this stuff, the first few months of the year are kind of crazy. But we're at a retail conference. Well, there are other supply chain conferences we could be at right now, and we won't name names or, you know, we'll not talk bad, but, but why is it that all of a sudden... There's so much more focus on this space. And, and I will say you're not the only person that has an aspect of supply chain at this conference. It's become more in the forefront than in the past. Absolutely. Especially if you look at, you know, the, the rise of e-commerce is really, you know, the rise of the, the 3PL in many ways. Because a lot of the fulfillment is being outsourced. And most importantly, the delivery is outsourced. So we are increasingly becoming an extension of the brand experience and retailers are taking note. And so when you look at changing consumer trends, behavior, targeting, uh, it all is focused around how to acquire and convert new customers on different channels, mobile devices, tablets, laptops, you know, screens that you might find at airports. But then you have to get the product to the consumer. And so the consumer today really has all of the power. And that power shift has been a rapid shift because the e-commerce revolution that essentially changed everyone's supply chain strategies, that was also fast, but it did happen over the course of 10 to 15 years. The change and the shift that's happening right now is that shift towards consumer trends and consumers having all of the power. And so there's a changing expectation, for example, for what visibility means. You know, it's no longer just a tracking number and an 800 number. Now you actually need to see where the truck is and how close they are. Are they eight minutes or are they seven minutes away from your house? So the consumer has the power. The power has shifted away from the BCO or the retailer and the traditional supply chain model. We do have people at other logistics conferences this week. This is my third conference in two weeks, but my second retail-focused conference. So there you go. Yeah, and David, so catching on to that and latching on to that consumer thing, because there's so many of these things, there's that big B2B element of it. Whether you're a Seco and whether you're a retailer or whatever, however that transaction works, you know, well, it's business to business. We're just trying to move things around the world. But at the end of it, there's a consumer at the end of almost everything, right? Or a customer at the end of almost everything. Yeah, exactly. It goes back to your original point, as in that supply chain is sort of becoming more popular at these retail events. Where it's, for me, it's how 
why is it not being a part of it for longer? Because the consumer, every touch point a consumer has with the brand is as part of the retail journey, whether that be the marketing collateral, what they do in store, online, when they get the product. Because there's a lot of tech here and there's a lot of wonderful data things that you can do here, which is great, but it's pointless if the customer can't get the product. It's your e-commerce business, your retail business. The product is your business. And I think retailers are have forgotten that over the last few years. And I think they're going back to basics a lot more now and understanding the consumer. Ultimately, a consumer wants to get the product conveniently at a good price and it's got to do what they want it to do. Ultimately, that's the fundamentals of retail is the product. And that's probably for me the disappointment of the show. It is so many tech companies here which are great at enabling stuff, but it's the basic stuff that you need to do well to make sure the consumer gets what they want. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, you're getting this thing from here to here at the right time. Exactly. If you don't do that, there's no point in having all this wonderful tech. Make yeah. it sound so easy. It is so easy. That's why, yeah, they're just, it's, everyone's, like, there's lots of augmented reality and VR stuff, which is really cool and great to have, but again, just make sure you can get the product to the consumer and make sure that if they have a problem, you're at the end of the phone or at the end of of social, to better answer a them quickly. A problem like returns. Like a problem like returns. Yeah. It's such a big element of it, which again, it's, you've got to focus on these things before you do all the exciting stuff. But then there's so much more immediacy to all of this. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit already, but pressure is on. Certain people like Amazon have set the precedent that two hours or two days is now going to become the new normal depending on where you live. Consumer, they're always on. You know, I point at my phone, those of you in listener land. But... They're really at the center here. When they're buying more stuff and engaging with more stuff that they don't get to experience in the real world. So I get some of that flashy stuff like, oh, well, augmented reality will show me the product, sort of a virtual version of the product on me or something, right? Yeah. That's neat. But at the end of the day, it has to fit. It has to be right. There's that piece of the equation that a lot of people get wrong. And in e-commerce world, it means a lot of stuff is coming back. Yeah. Are we starting to hit like critical mass for having the returns just clog up the inventory? Or? It didn't happen last holiday season, but the holiday season before that was the tipping point. In 2017, I think this should be on everyone's calendars. Black Friday, you had news reporters stationed at every mall, and we found out, of course, uh, through some of the presentations yesterday, the last mall that was built was 2006. So that was also a, an important year or data point so when we talk about like tipping points, for me, it was that, that year, that moment when you had all these reporters at all these malls and the big story was that there was no lines. And that was, that was really a watershed moment because, you know, so you talk about congestion and, and, you know, deliveries. I mean, I live in a building in Chicago and on a Sunday we could have, you know, three, three stops from the same delivery company on a Sunday with different drivers. And, you know, so you see a lot more of these commercial vehicles that are, you know, driving all around our city environments making e-commerce deliveries. I think the concern is more about, you know, the forward shipments rather than the reverse. But you are seeing an increase in the percentage of total shipments being reverse or return shipments because 8% of purchases that are bought in stores are returned. But 30% of e-commerce purchases are returned on average. I would just venture to guess that that 8% of returns from a store go back to the same store or another store, depending on the return Absolutely. policy, right? Yeah. That customer is yeah. programmed to shop in store. Yeah. But that's not the same thing with e-commerce. In fact, some retailers can't handle that inventory the same way yeah. across those two channels, right? Well, the returns at certain industries, like we work with a lot of fashion retailers, and they're happy 
when they achieve like a 70% return rate. That's a good percentage because it's part of their business model to better offer multiple sizing. A female might want to buy multiple dress sizes and get the right one, know it fits, then don't have to worry, send the other two back. That's part of their model. And a lot of fashion retailers that we work with, the returns and delivery page is like one of the top five visited pages of any page that they have on their website because that policy, that ease, that simplicity is so important to them that actually if it's not a simple process, they won't buy from them in the first place. So consumers are getting so much more aware of what to expect from a returns policy. And that return should be free, right? They yeah. should be free. It's not it's free a, to the retailer. It's no. not free to the, whoever's carrying it back. It's a nervous <laughs> tick. <I hear> that. <laughs> yeah. But we're also programmed to expect that. Lowest common denominator, free, fast. No, no, it's true. It's true. Free returns, free shipping. These are all words and phrases that are used to initiate higher conversions and lower abandonment rates from websites. And they work. So the psychology does work. But, you know, someone's paying for it somewhere, right? So... And especially as brands grow globally, you know, that's one of the big problems that we're solving by working together with Red Hot Penny is figuring out how to make it easy for global returns, which is not. Because if you're getting product from Australia back to the U.S., when do you issue that refund? You know, do you have to wait two weeks for the product to get back into a D.C. because you put it on a slow boat or three weeks or four weeks? I mean, the consumer's not going to be happy. So how do you verify that the consumer did return the product but still speed up that returns refund, which is ultimately what the consumer's looking for? And the faster that you can make that, because everything is really speeding up. It's all about everything speeding up. You mentioned, you know, uh, Amazon earlier. I heard at another conference, like David said, they were the first to go back to the basics. They simply weaponize their supply chain, period. You know, two-day service, standard, boom. A lot went into that. It wasn't easy. A lot of money invested, but that's what, essentially what they did. They weaponized their supply chain. And those retailers that figure that out, the faster they figure it out, those are going to be the ones that are successful and will continue to grow. But taking things globally, the returns piece has a big component of that. I'll say that, okay, not every retailer has the clout or the ingenuity or the wherewithal to also scale up its own truck fleet and its own <laughs> fleet of airplanes to help with the logistics portion of that supply chain. So with all these BCOs out here, the shippers, interacting with carriers, what's the balance there for them to get it right? What kind of partnership does that become when you're helping them with cross-border, getting these things fulfilled to, to the end consumer, and then maybe even bringing them back in? How hard is that? Well, you know, it's funny that easy was brought up, but I think how important, similar to how Apple made a lot of their products, simply easy, easy to use. And if it's not stupid easy, it's just stupid. And that's essentially the mantra today when it comes to just anything that touches retail that consumers interact with and purchase. So the returns process, the returns exchange, the refund, the shipping, all of that has to be easy. You have to be able to print the label in the comfort of your own home. And it has to be with a postal option so that, you know, the, the next day when uh, the postman comes or a postwoman, they're picking up your package and you don't have to go anywhere. It becomes an easy process. That is hard to coordinate all of that. But if you get that right, and we can help brands get that right globally, that is a win. Those customers are best for retargeting. This is why we have Red Hot Penny here with us, because retargeting is the name of the game. These are consumers that know your brand, that purchased from your brand, and you want to make sure that they're taken care of. And we offer custom-branded tracking sites, and we're not the only ones, but this is becoming increasingly a trend where you want to extend the brand experience all the way through to even including the returns process. 
sounds great, but also I think that the easier it is, the more it encourages speed coming back in. Because you know, the easier it is for a customer to get that thing back to you, the less time that inventory is out of your hands and unable to be sold. It depends on right. the, what you mean by getting back to you. Because getting back to you could mean, if it's set up right, back to a regional or in-country yeah, fulfillment processing. Right. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be yours. You, know, uh, you don't have to kind of invest in CapEx for these huge facilities and labor all around the world. You can leverage, you said partnerships. I think that is the key. It, nobody, not one company that exists today can do it all in the logistics landscape or in the retail landscape. Yeah, but it does have to come in still at some point. There's no out-of-the-box way or no not easy way to... Can you go consumer to another consumer? Can you route that way yet? Are we? The, is that going to be the future of returns? Is that never actually returns? It just goes... So in our world, uh, it's what we call the definition of disposition. And it's different for every brand and for every commodity and for every product and even different in different countries. But ultimately, if you can, the further you can process that disposition, whatever that means. So, you know, a company like ours or any 3PL would do some verification of that disposition process upon a receipt to make sure that the product wasn't open, wasn't damaged, wasn't worn or wasn't worn too much. And ultimately, there are some, you know, decision points that can be made and a process can be built around that. As long as the retailer has the visibility to the information related to those processes, those jobs, then they can make decisions, better decisions with that information about what to do with those products, with those returns. In some cases, they could absolutely be made available in inventory and be available to be shipped to new consumers. In most instances, though, probably not. Maybe there's a repair piece to it, a recycle piece to it, or ultimately it does have to come to the home country. But the goal is to reduce that to a very small percentage to reduce transportation costs on behalf of the retailer. Yeah, the return stuff is really interesting. And I think it's, obviously, we talk a lot about having the process to be able to fulfill it. We're doing a lot of work to try and solve that problem before it comes a problem. So we worked with Tesco's, obviously big UK retailer, massive inventory of stock, about 5,000 SKUs of consumer electronics. And the need came from the call center. The call center was getting overwhelmed with people complaining about the information about the product. It was wrong. They thought they were buying this TV with these features and it didn't have it. So they wanted to return it. And it, it was costing them millions of, of, oh, of, right. of customer service time. False yeah. bill of goods, right? Yeah, exactly. So the customer service team was like, we have a problem. And that then comes to a marketing challenge. And it all came down to the simplicity of rewriting that product content to make sure it was accurate. And that accuracy of product content reduced their returns rate significantly. So there's lots of ways that you've got to have the process, but just preventing the need for it as well. And it comes back to some, we talk a lot about it at the moment, back to basics. It's just, you're a retailer in e-commerce, retailer or brand, just tell the consumer the right information about the product. If it's wrong, they're going to be unhappy. Sure. And it's just really simple things like that. In this case, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure or whatever that saying is. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Cut the problem off before it starts. Yeah. All right. I mean, this is amazing stuff. I think we could talk about this for a long time. But, you know, this challenge isn't going away anytime soon. E-commerce is becoming massive. And, you know, there's always going to be a role for physical stores. And there's always going to be some returns channel. There's going to be that inventory that's in flux a little bit. Product dispensaries, your, your store, your, your fulfillment center, your, wherever it is coming from across the supply chain, that piece of inventory to a consumer. Where are we going to be in a couple of years with this? Will we have solved problems or, or are we still going to be fighting the fight? Uh, <laughs> or inventing new problems. Yes, uh, I, I do think that it's more difficult today to predict the future because of how fast things are changing. 
we can probably be very confident in the fact that returns will continue to be an issue and challenge for retailers in the U.S., retailers abroad. And I think 3PLs and logistics companies will continue to find new ways and develop new solutions to help alleviate those issues related to and around returns. I do think that the usage of creative physical space to facilitate online purchases and returns in such a way as lock boxes and lockers that you're seeing an increased relevance and prevalence uh, around the world. I think that is a trend that is going to increase and it's going to have a huge role in the returns puzzle in the next, I'd say, coming five years. I've got two predictions. I think Amazon will do, because at the moment you've got Prime, where you've just got a local driver delivers, I think they'll start doing returns from your house. They will come and collect the goods from your house and then they'll take it back to their warehouse. In the same way, the prime drivers, they'll be driving around delivering, but they'll take items back from you. They'll make that return process really simple. I think it's just, they've got the infrastructure already. They're going to people's houses already. I think that will be something that will happen quite quickly. But uh, also, I think that the real omni-channel experience, I think you'll see a lot of retail stores just become distribution centers. There's no product there other than a place to come and collect and return. There's no product on show. It's a bit like, do you have Argos here in the US? Big, a big retailer in the UK, but they're effectively a catalogue business and you just go in and collect your item. There's no product on show. I could just see a lot of retail stores becoming that and they will then collect the stock and then ship it back to warehouses, redistribute it around to other stores. But I think retail will come, they'll become smaller because there'll just be places to pick up and return. Yeah, no, that's an interesting one. Bonobos is one of those that kind of pioneered the other version. It's a yeah. showroom, right? Yeah, yeah the exactly. Tesla yeah. stores, which they're now closing, were kind of that too. It was yeah. not the place to necessarily buy the car or the solar panel, but to see it touch it. It is yeah, so scary that exactly. you can buy a car now in under one minute on your smartphone. Oh, my God. It's so dangerous. It is. I purposely didn't save that website address for those you know, <laughs> particular reasons. Yeah, there's late nights yeah, yeah. in places like Las Vegas where I'm not always thinking the most clearly. You said it, not me. Uh, I did. It's on the record, though. Um, <laughs> all right, fellas. Thank you so much for joining Supply Chain Radio. Where can we learn more about some of the work that you guys are doing out there? SeekerLogistics.com. RedHotPenny.com. All right. David, Brian, uh, as always, uh, or well, for the first time, it's great. We should have you guys back at some point. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you. Again. All right. Thanks for listening to Supply Chain Radio. This has been Matt Gunn. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. Oh.